Let's try that again. Good morning. morning. It is is great to see you guys this morning. Um, Before we start, uh, I want to invite a little conversation with the people that you came with, people you're sitting next to. We've got 4th of July coming up on Tuesday with, you know, people barbecuing or grilling out or whatever. So here's the question I want you to ask to the people around you. What is the best meal that you have ever had? And if that's way too big of a question, what's the best meal that you've had recently? And tell that person uh, about that. I'll give you 60 seconds. Go. Love about what I love about this question is that did not seem like a hard question for you guys to answer today. Uh, man, we get kind of excited about a good meal, don't we? Uh, this morning we are continuing on our summer in the Psalms series. Uh, about some good meals. Um, before we do that, let's uh, dig in. Psalm 34, if you have your Bibles with you, if you want to follow along on your phones. If not, it will be up here on the screens. We're going to be looking at just the first eight verses, reading in Jesus' name. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul makes its boast in the Lord. Let the humble hear and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord and he answered me and he delivered me from all my fears. Those who look to him are radiant and their faces shall never be ashamed. This poor man cried and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all his troubles. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and delivers them. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good, exclamation point. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him, exclamation point. Here ends the reading of God's word. Father, I pray that you would speak to us this morning. We know that you are good. And yet we need to be reminded of your goodness. We know that you are loving, yet we need to be reminded of your love for us. We know that you are gracious, Lord. Remind us of your graciousness for us this morning. I pray uh, that the words that would be spoken, Lord, would be words of truth. 
God, that not only would resonate in our minds, but would take root in our hearts today. Lord, we are so grateful for this time. Speak to us now. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, um, I want to let you in on a little bit of my personality, although I have to say that, um, you, you know, I, I preached a sermon in New Prague uh, over an hour ago, and um, he said, you know, hey, I want to I let you know a little bit about myself. And then my wife said, yeah, Nick, I don't think this was a, like a real surprise to anyone. Um, I, so I, I, once, I had a manager. His name was Andy. I loved uh, when we would get a new person on our team, Andy had this great icebreaker question. He, he would ask that person, he'd say, what are you a nerd about? It's kind of a funny question. And, and most people are like, I don't know, a nerd? I don't know if I'm a nerd about anything. And he's like, no, no, no. Everyone's a nerd about something. So maybe you're a maybe you're a fishing nerd, and you know like everything there's to know about knots and lures and flies and how to read water and where the the fish are, and you've like Googled or you've read books about like what do walleye eat? I don't know, right? That's kind of nerdy. Or maybe you're a baseball nerd and you can list off all these stats and 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 know exactly you know whatever how someone's rise and someone's fallen. Um, I, I definitely have friends in my life who are Disney nerds, uh, and that's a whole other level of nerdery right there. Maybe that's you. Whatever your thing, I don't know what your thing is, but we're all kind of nerds about <laughs> that's a Disney nerd. Yeah, good, good, good. <laughs> I don't know what you're, what you're a nerd about. This is going to probably come as no surprise. Uh, no one's ever shocked by when I say this, but I'm a big food nerd. I love everything about it. I love, I love eating food. I love cooking food. I love watching shows about food. I like watching British people bake food. I like, uh, I like hearing about it on, on podcasts. Um, I was with uh, my sister and her family a few weeks ago. She had gotten a new home and was giving us a, a house tour. And, and you could, one of the ways that you can tell that we are siblings and kindred spirits is that she had her cookbook library just beautifully displayed in her kitchen, like works of art. And we were comparing. I also have the same thing. And we're comparing and, oh, you should take the, whatever. We get really excited about about that kind of stuff. I, I, I love eating at new restaurants. I love trying new food. Um, the last couple of summers, we've gone on these long road trips as a family, um, driven through Missouri and Tennessee and North Carolina and South Carolina. And um, I don't know what you're like on vacation. Um, you're probably more normal than I am. Uh, you probably get your souvenirs at like the souvenir shop. I like to go to grocery stores that we don't have here and buy stuff that we don't get here. Um, I had a conversation with my wife as we got home from vacation and she opened up our pantry and she said, Nick, what are we going to do with 17 different kinds of barbecue sauce? I, I don't know, but I just, like, I had to have it. That was, I get really excited about this sort of thing. Um, I don't know if this is a, uh, a point of pride or a point of confession. Um, as we were on this road trip, Brittany uh, looked up the top 200 
um, the top 200 fast food restaurants in America. Um, highest grossing, whatever, top 200 most popular. Maybe you didn't even know there were 200 different kinds of fast food restaurants in America. And so she started reading the list and she would make a check mark um, by which one I had eaten at. And I didn't think I had eaten at that many. And then she got to the list, and I'd eaten at 178 of them. Um, where that came from, I don't know. But I love food. I love talking about food. I love eating food. And so when we come across passages in Scripture that talk about food, I get kind of excited about it. And here we are. We're in Psalm 34, and there are other passages in Scripture, even in the, in the Psalms, that talk about food, uh, talk about eating in a, in a more descriptive way. Uh, in a more, uh, in, in a fuller way. So I, I think there are lots of passages that we could even name ourselves that talk about food. But I want to offer this idea to you this morning. Um, you've probably heard it said before, right? There's, there's two kinds of people. Maybe this is always a little reductive. Um, my, I've heard someone say, there's two kinds of people in the world. People who say there are two kinds of people and people who don't. Uh, that's a joke. Uh, but there's two kinds of people in the world, right? There are people who uh, eat to live. It's all about sustenance. I just need to like get enough fuel that I'm not going to tip over. And there's people who live to eat. I don't know where you fall on that, on that divide. My the idea I'd like to offer you this morning is that on, in a spiritual sense that David, the author of this psalm, is offering to us this live to eat of the goodness of God. That to be a child of God means to be someone who lives to eat of the fruits of the Spirit. Um, I want to look back, if we can put the verses back up. I, um, again, I don't know how you just described your best meal to each other. Probably got a little excited about it. Heart rate went up a little. We get kind of, right? We get really happy when we talk about good food. Look at the way that David talks about his encounters with God or in describing the Lord, right? He says, I'll, I will bless the Lord at all times. He, like, he can't stop talking about it. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. Let's go to the next verse. My soul makes its boast in the Lord. Next verse. Oh, magnify the Lord and let us exalt his name together. Again, third, there's three exclamation points in the first eight verses here of this passage. David is genuinely excited about what he's talking about here. I sought the Lord and he answered me and delivered me from all my fears. Next verse. Those who look to him are radiant, right? You know when you're like, okay, have you been around someone who like, it's, maybe they're a young couple and they've like just gotten engaged and there's like that glow, right? They're radiant. Those who look to him are radiant. Their faces shall never be ashamed. Next verse. The, this poor man cried and the Lord heard him, saved him out of all of his troubles, the angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and delivers them. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. 
See, the way that David describes his feelings in these verses, this is a man who has stopped to consider every aspect that he can of his interactions with God. Now, again, I don't know where you're from. Maybe you're in the eat to live crowd. A friend of mine who uh, is a youth pastor now, but before that he had worked uh, a number of construction jobs and, and working on the construction site. And I had asked him, I said, Josh, what do you, like, what do you pack for lunch? What do you eat? He goes, ah, oh, it's really easy. I make four bologna sandwiches every day. I eat two of them at my coffee break, and then I eat another two at lunch. I'm like, you eat that every day? Like, oh, man, never get sick of it. Four bologna sandwiches every day. Yeah, I'm just thinking it like thinking about it. Uh, right? There's that this this idea this eat to get the sustenance out of it. But if we are that way, especially when it comes to food, I would argue that we're missing out on the on the fine details of flavor, of taste, of texture. You, but like the joy of turning on some music and taking your time to prepare dinner and enjoy a well-made meal. Now, maybe that's not describing dinner in your house. <laughs> the ideal, isn't it? But to be honest, when it comes to spiritual sustenance, as much as I am a live-to-eat enjoyer of all things food person in my life, I confess, but I also suspect that maybe you're with me on this, that we can be people who get by on the bare minimum that God has to offer us. Many of us, if, if we're being honest with ourselves, we get, we get a taste of God on, on Sunday mornings. We maybe listen to a little Christian radio on the way to work or a podcast here and there. Maybe not even that. We call it a day. And I gotta tell you, like, if we're using a food metaphor here, we got this 4th of July uh, barbecue coming up on Tuesday. Most of us, in a spiritual sense, like, make it to the potato chips and then never actually enjoy the meal. We so often don't stop to consider all that God has done for us. I want to show you a scene that maybe drives this idea home a little further. Uh, this is a scene of a chef giving instructions to his diners. These diners, have um, they are there to eat this guy's food, and they have flown to this exotic location to eat the food that this chef prepares. And he's going to give instructions to his diners to do that very thing, to stop and consider. And maybe this clip can encourage us to do the same as well. You can go ahead and play that when you are ready. Oh, here, let's start that over. We kind of missed out on the funny part there. Good evening. Hello. Welcome to Hawthorne. I'm Julian Slowick, and tonight it'll be our pleasure to feed you. The curtain rises. Over the next few hours, you will ingest fat, salt, sugar, protein, bacteria, fungi, various plants and animals, and at times, entire ecosystems. But I have to beg of you one thing. It's just one. Do not eat. Taste. 
savor, relish. Consider every morsel that you place inside your mouth. Be mindful, but do not eat. Our menu is too precious for that. And look around you. Here we are, on this island. Accept. Accept all of it. And forgive. And on that note, food. See, the chef in this clip asks a task that seems to be particularly difficult for those of us belonging to the human race. See, we have a deep and an inherent uh, inclination toward consumption. You know, you described um, some really excellent meals that you've had recently. Uh, but uh, think about some food that, like, I don't know, you just, like, you got it, you ate it. Uh, like no knock on holiday, but maybe like you rolled in and you got a sandwich off that warmer and forgot about it an hour later, right? We're just, we're, we're inclined to consumption. And it's not even just a food thing. It's natural instinct to consume extends beyond food. For example, we find ourselves constantly engaged in like the habitual consumption of television or, or online content, right? I mean, it's geared to just like play that next episode and that next episode and the next video and it's just going to automatically, and we just go and go and then like six hours go by and you're like, ooh, what just happened? Or maybe we, you mindlessly scroll through social media feeds, often disregarding the toll it takes on our mental and emotional well-being. Another area, uh, again, where I have to confess to you on this one that we do consumption is in, is in parenting. Um, man, there's some times where it feels like a special moment to read that bedtime story, and then there are some times where I read it as fast as I can, to get on to the next thing and don't stop to think like, oh. For some of you who have children, older children who are not in that stage anymore, you go, oh, it goes quick, doesn't it? Yeah. We hurriedly read through them, rushing on, not cherishing the time as a, uh, not cherishing the time, but treating it as a task to be completed. Another, speaking of tasks being completed, another significant area where we indulge in eating is our work. You know, it's funny about, um, you ever heard this term like workaholic? Maybe some of you are like that. You know, isn't it kind of wild that like we use that term like something aholic in every circumstance and we're like, hey, that person really needs help, but then we use workaholic and we wear it like a badge. We don't work often enough because of the simple task of, 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 of doing a job well done, but we are so constantly seeking the approval of others. This relentless pursuit of external validation. And, and lastly, we even treat religion as another outlet for our consumptive tendencies 
How often do we trade the genuine joy of the gospel for a misguided focus on moral obligation, reducing our faith to just a transaction on like, hey, I showed up here this morning, I'm good. Like, this is what it's going to be. By recognizing our inclination toward just eating, we can gain a deeper understanding of our own desires and motivations. And in doing so, we create space, or maybe this is the goal, is to create space for transformation and rediscovery. Because you see, in the midst of this perpetual cycle of consumption, Scripture reminds us of Jesus Christ's teachings and the transformative power of his forgiveness. Just as we readily consume various aspects of our lives, we are called to humbly receive and accept the forgiveness that Jesus offers us. His forgiveness transcends our innate human tendencies and provides a path toward redemption and renewal. See, through Jesus, we are invited to trade our pursuits of worldly satisfaction for a deeper spiritual nourishment. It is in embracing his forgiveness and grace that we find true fulfillment beyond the temporary pleasures of earthly consumption. Jesus offers us a feast of eternal significance, one that satisfies our deepest longings and restores our souls. And maybe now as we reflect on our consumptive tendencies, let us also reflect on the transformative power of Christ's forgiveness. You see, in, in, in turning to him in repentance, we can redirect our desires toward a greater purpose and find lasting contentment. Let us not settle for fleeting satisfactions, but instead partake in the richness of his grace, experiencing the joy and freedom that comes from being forgiven and redeemed. Um, it is no coincidence that this message is happening today on the first Sunday of the month because there is a place where we can experience the goodness of the Lord in a tangible way. That place is at the communion table. In a few moments, as we gather around this sacred meal, we are reminded of the sacrifice that Christ endured for each and every one of us. The bread being his body broken for us, the wine, his blood shed for the forgiveness of your sins. In the simple act of partaking, we are invited to truly taste and see that the Lord is good. And just as we physically eat food to nourish our bodies, the act of receiving that very bread and wine at the communion table nourishes our souls. That even that word of communion, it, it is, it's a moment of divine encounter where we, where we encounter the grace and mercy of Jesus who willingly took upon himself the weight of our sins and offered us forgiveness. At the communion table, we are not asked to do anything to earn or deserve that meal. 
We are simply called to receive what Christ has given to us. It's a beautiful truth that salvation is not achieved through our own efforts or works, but it is a gift freely given by God's grace. And in the broken bread and the poured wine, we find solace and assurance. We hear the declaration once again that our sins are forgiven and that we are reconciled to God through Christ. There's a moment of communion with our Savior and a reminder of his immense love for us. Moreover, as we partake of the communion elements together, we are united with fellow believers in a fellowship that transcends even our individual selves. We, we become partakers of a larger family, the very body of Christ, sharing in the same meal of grace and salvation. The communion table offers us a glimpse of the future feast that awaits us in heaven. This this right here is just an appetizer of what's to come in a heavenly feast. It is a foretaste of the eternal joy and fellowship we will experience in the presence of the Lord. It stirs within us a longing for the day when we will sit at the heavenly banquet where every tear will be wiped away and all pain and suffering will cease. So as we approach the communion table today, let us come with hearts open and ready to taste and see that the Lord is good. Let us receive his forgiveness, his grace, and his love. May the simple act of eating and drinking remind us of the profound truth that Jesus, through his sacrifice, has cleansed us of our sins and restored us into a right relationship with God. So my friends, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed are those who take refuge in him. Amen.